Lord God, bless your name. Let's bless the name of the Lord. Lord, I love you, Jesus. You're worthy, Lord God. You've been better to me than I've ever been to myself, Lord. I think back over my life. Lord, I can't help but get excited, God, of what you've done for me. My soul cries out, hallelujah. Thank you, God, for saving me. Lord, I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank God for what we feel in this place. I like what I feel, and I feel what I like. And love God, love his spirit. I love you, dear saints. Again, just thank you so much for all the hospitality. Everyone's been so kind, so warm. You know, you you go places sometimes and you preach and it's just like going to another city. And, uh, just another group of people. And, and I love God's people, but I just like just good old folks. And I like you people. Y'all just good old folks. My wife and I were talking today and she said, I, Brother Vasquez, he, when he preaches, he just preaches so with such depth such eloquence he's so educated and she said uh, you know that's not really how you preach yeah I, I, I understand that maybe I, I understand that she said but you know what she said they're real she said and, and he, he will appreciate this compliment she said I thought I knew what a nerd was when I met you she said you can't hold a candle to that she said but they're real you have an absolute gem in a pastor and his wife that are the, I think they deserve a hand tonight. The real McCoy. We love them. Thank them for their friendship. Man, what just this church is blessed with outstanding leadership again. Bishop Wilson and his wife, they're wonderful people. The man is doing a fantastic job. I watched them meet around that log and pray in the prayer room, and that just thrilled my soul. Man, what, what can you drums, preaching machine, he, he is leading worship up here, singing a little bit, he just does it all, what a phenomenal job, this church is just blessed again with outstanding, outstanding leaders, and it shows you, you have outstanding leaders because God can trust you, God doesn't give good leaders to bad people, God doesn't waste good leaders on goats, he sends good shepherds to sheep, and so you, you are blessed with your leadership because you are God's very best. You're a phenomenal church. And again, me and Brother Vasquez were, were talking. And we on this afternoon, he said, this, this church has no idea. It's world-renowned. This city has no idea. It's world-renowned. Everywhere he goes, they know the church in Pottscamp. And, and I can attest to that. You are absolutely an inspiration to the movement of Pentecost. Thank you for being yourselves. Thank you for lending your pastor. We made mention of it in the video that our very first men's revival, men's service, however you want to call it, Brother Vasquez came and preached that for us. That was the first time he had preached in Cleveland. And and, uh, and I tell you, again, birds of a feather, they just flock together. And uh, he, he said, he called me, he said, hey, I was supposed to preach for you the Thursday before men's conference. Uh, would you still let me come? It's been canceled. And I, I said, well, I was going to call you today and ask you, would you still come? And even though it was canceled, he came and preached for us, and what an awesome, awesome job he did preach that Thursday night, and that Friday night, we just had a great time in the Lord, amen, again, I honor our worship team, creating an atmosphere of worship, that's not easy, and it takes a lot of time, a lot of dedication, a lot of practice, and a lot of prayerful, prayerful consideration, I thank you for your dedication to the work of God, 
you have your Bibles, and go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 16. When a, when a new man comes to preach to you, it's kind of like dating. The first date, you're a little nervous, they're a little nervous, you don't really know how it's going to go. They stick around, and you stick around, and you get comfortable with each other, and you just build a rapport between the man of God and the people, and they preach too many times and you just become like an old married couple. You know what all their jokes and you know what they're going to say before they say it and, and you just really don't mind if they come or don't. I don't want to go that far tonight but I, I need you to I need you to trust me to go beyond the second date. The only way I'm gonna, it's going to work for what God has given me I thought it for the last three weeks is if you just trust me a little bit and know that I love you that I, I honor you and nothing I would ever I would never come to this pulpit to rebuke anyone. But the Bible says to compel or spur one another unto good works. Spurring's not comfortable. The horse don't like it. That's why he loses because he doesn't like being compelled. And so I haven't come to admonish anybody. I haven't come to tell you you're doing anything wrong. I just want to know what we can do a little better together, alright? That'll be alright if I just preach to you just a little bit tonight. book of Matthew chapter 28 and verse 16, a very familiar passage in this scripture. And again, I honestly, I have, I, I gave them two messages. You can ask them because I didn't want to preach this one. But I really believe that this is what God has spoken to me, woke me up from sleeping and, and spoke to my heart. And I wrote a good portion of this message through the middle of the night, one night. I've been working on it ever since and again, just can't can't get away from what I feel like God's going to do in this place. Amen. Matthew 28 and 16. Then the eleven disciples went into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. You need to understand something. As a child of God, you've been appointed by God. You're not a nobody. You're not a has-been. You're not a should-have-been, a could-have-been. You're appointed by God. I don't care if you don't do nothing but wipe toilets, you've been appointed by God. If you don't have a job yet, you've still been appointed by God. If you've not received the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in tongues, baptized in Jesus' name, you have an appointment waiting on you. God has an appointment for every person. But will you keep your appointment? Where he had appointed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And we know that is the name of Jesus. Amen. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. With help of the Holy Ghost, I want to preach this message that I have been titled, Not Mission-Minded. Not Mission-Minded. Would you help me pray? Lord, I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you for your spirit. Lord, I need the anointing of the Holy Ghost to work in me. God, I need you to anoint my lips of clay tonight. God, I stand here humbly, Lord Jesus, where men, again, much more educated, much more 
eloquent, much more capable than I have, Lord. There are men in this room that are so much, Lord, the more able to do what you have sent me to do. But I, as your, your humble servant, God, I ask you to anoint me, O oh God, let our people be receptive to your word. Lord, I ask you, God, anoint me, O oh God. I want to be led by your spirit. I want to be sensitive to your spirit, O oh God. Let us receive your word with a gladness of heart, Lord God, that it compel us to good works. So, God, I ask you, Lord God, to anoint the ear of the hearer in the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you look pretty good tonight. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you do too. You may be seated in the, in the name of Jesus. I thank you for standing for the reading of the Word of God. It has become very in vogue in the church world. It has become something that as an apostolic movement and specifically the assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ has taken to another level in the last several years. Mission-minded is a phrase that you will hear very often. It's, uh, it's talked about, it's preached about, it's, it's sung about. The denominal world even has put more of an emphasis on being mission-minded. We mean great things by this. We encourage people to think about missions and to pray for missionaries, to give to missions. We bring missionaries in and we send them out, much like what we are doing and we are thankful for the opportunity. We have developed all manner of things to keep missions in the mind of people. We've developed slogans and campaigns and initiatives. We have missions, universities, and boot camps and Bible colleges. And I believe in no small part to this effort that God has blessed richly the church. Our preachers are more educated, they're more articulate, and more polished than ever before. Our churches are nicer, they're better funded, they're more progressive, they're more accepted by society, and they're further reaching than they ever have been before. The gospel is preached in more places than ever before. Because of the advent of the internet and social media, the gospel is available to nearly anyone on the face of the planet 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No doubt being mission-minded has been a help and brought a lot of good things. We certainly would point, certainly would point to these things as a result of being mission-minded. And while many would argue that being mission-minded is the goal of every Christian, for the overwhelming majority of Christian people, being mission-minded starts and stops with that, being minded. They think about it. When possible, they'll meditate on it or pray about it. They might send an offering to it. They may even go on a short mission trip somewhere. In any event, for most people, being mission-minded is simply that, a mindset. It's a thought or a way that they think, but that's really the end. It's a thought that we have. So I want to ask you tonight, I want you to ask yourself, is being mission-minded enough? Is a mindset enough to fulfill the Great Commission? Is it what Jesus meant when he gave the Great Commission? To find this out, I think the answer lies 
in Philippians 2 and 5 when it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Now I want you to notice with me a couple of things along the way of what we are trying to let be in us. If we're going to let the mind of Christ be in us, we have to have the mind that he had. He made himself of no reputation. He took upon the form of a servant and was in the likeness of men. He didn't come as a king in the sense that they expected him to. He didn't come with titles and accolades. He formed the first man. How easy would it have been for him to have formed a whole army to parade in front of him showing his might. How easy would it have been for him to call legions of angels to escort him in and out. But that wasn't the way that God came to earth. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. I thank God for the name above every name. Amen. There's still healing in the name of Jesus. There's still deliverance in the name of Jesus. There's still redemption and salvation in the, it's a, still the name that needs to be called over you. It's essential when we baptize you in Jesus' name. It's not because it's cool or we made it up, but because it's essential for your soul to be baptized in Jesus' name. Notice with me this colon here and because this tells you the mind. He explains who he was, but now he gives you the mindset. That at the name of, of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and in things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It is the mind of Christ for every knee to bow and every tongue to confess. Jesus Christ came so that we would have the ability to kneel before him. He came so that we would have the ability to receive salvation. But a mindset doesn't produce anything. Just simply thinking about it doesn't do it. Because while he had the mindset, he still had to humble himself and go to a cross. Because a mindset should produce a method. There needs to be something translated from the way that I think to the way that I act. So when he humbled himself, he didn't say, I want man to be free. I'm thinking about man free. He said, I'll go down there and I'll step on to the earth that I created. I'll take on flesh that I made and I'll become like them. And I won't think about setting them free. I will go to a cross and I will die for their sins. There's a method to the mission that God has sent us to. We've got to have an understanding. I can want to see a lost soul saved, but until there's a method to behind my lifestyle and behind my thought, it does no good. I can't wish you into heaven. You've got to have a method to your mission. Mindset doesn't produce anything without a method. 
A method is a particular form of procedure for accomplishing or approaching something, especially a systematic or established one. This is why Jesus gave the Great Commission. He wrote the method. He said, go. That's an action word. Ye, that's you. Therefore, and teach a couple of nations, a few nations, the nations we like, the nations we can get along with. No, he said all nations. He said, go you and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things. I think sometimes that we are really good about teaching the doctrine of salvation, but that ain't all things. Jesus taught a lot more than just how to get saved. He taught a whole lot more than just repentance and spirit infilling. We've got to have a burden and an understanding that it's something more than just checking boxes on how many people we get wet. We've got to have something within us that says, I need a method to develop people so that they can win people. I've got to go out and reach somebody, and I've got to empower them to reach somebody. When Jesus said to make disciples, it wasn't an idea that he just thought up. It wasn't a mindset. He said there's a method to the way that we go about it. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Can I tell you something without getting ahead of myself? We like to quote, Jesus is with us always, even unto the end of the world. But I submit to you, it's only if you do your part. If you're not teaching somebody to obey all the commandments, you don't have the promise he'll be with you. That's what the Bible says. You've got to do your part. Well, see, now this is a whole total different thing than most churches will tell you. Long as you're a good person, long as you've obeyed the, the plan of salvation, as long as you're regular to the house of God and pay your tithes, then, then I'm doing everything God expects of me. No, I'm sorry, that ain't what it says. That is just to qualify your life to fulfill the method that God has given for the church to obey. You see, I, 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 I can't help it. But why did God not take us out at conversion? We're a disaster. We can't get it right. We're continually making a mess of our lives. It would have been a lot easier for God to say, yep, he got filled with the Holy Ghost and he died in the exact same spot. And then that's all good. Would that not have been easier? How many times you think God, you get tired of going to the altar? How many times you think God gets tired of you keep coming back for the same old nonsense over and over and over? And so God could have just took you out. But he said, I got a method. I need a people that have been bought with my blood. I need a people that know what it was like to have lived in sin. I need a people that have been brought out of some stuff. I need people that have gone through some stuff to find some people that are in some stuff and going through some stuff and saying, honey, I was such like that. I lived where you live. I shot dope like you did. I drank like you did. I fought like you did. But God.
God showed up and delivered me. There's a method to the mission. You've got to understand something. It's not your will and it's not your way, but it's what the word says. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world for a reason that you can overcome the world. Jesus didn't have a mission mind only. He had a method. That's why the last thing he told him to do was to go. How many have kids that you're old enough to leave at home? You, or, or maybe you leave them with somebody. What do you do before you leave? Whatever the thing that they're going to do wrong is, you tell them, now don't do that. Don't set the house on fire. Samuel, don't play with matches. Eli, don't call 911. Whatever, whatever it is that is your cardinal rule that you need them to have seared in their mind, that's what you tell them. Jesus did the exact same thing. He said, if you don't remember anything else I've said, if you don't remember another thing, go. If you don't do anything else I've told you to do, go. You don't have to see a miracle. You just have to go. You don't have to pray and the blind eyes be open. You just got to go. You, my God, you don't have to like it. You just have to go. You've got to have something within me that says, I'm going to obey the method that Jesus left for me. I'm going to obey the plan that he left. Our method is to act on what we were taught and then teach people to live and obey what we teach them to encourage them to act on what they've been taught and to teach somebody else you see it's cyclical it's cyclical look at the book of Acts 120 3,000 5,000 right there, it's, there's this continual process of people adding people to the church can I, can I give you something that this, this is my vision casting for Cleveland. I'm working on writing it. The book of Acts, it says, God added to the church daily such as should be saved. And God added in a great number. Now, don't get me wrong. But do you know the greatest power on the face of this planet besides the Holy Ghost is the power of exponents? The power of exponents is the most powerful force on this planet besides the Holy Ghost. I find it very interesting. The Bible says God added to the church daily such as should be saved. But what did he tell Noah and his family? Go forth and multiply. Now why does God add? But he told people to multiply. Because he said, I'll give you a method to do greater things than I'll do. God loves you so much, he wants to see you do more than he does. God said, I'll add to the church to get this thing started, but you've got to multiply. You've got to get up and you've got to go to work. You've got to do something that says, I'll bring one and I'll get them and I'll go back and I'll get another one. But the one I got going to... My, I'm telling you, we can win the whole world through the method of multiplication. I'm not interested in the last day to just add one here and one there. Dear God, we need a church that says, I can win somebody. There's something within me that I can tell the whole world. There's a method to the mission that God has placed deep inside of you. You just got to go and do it. 
Our method, our method is cyclical. But we make it way too complicated. We get so busy thinking, we forget to act. We get so busy thinking. But it's simple. We just have to do what Jesus said. I can prove it. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. That's right. And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode in him. I don't know. I, I just like the promises of God because they're black and white. I have always liked if-then statements. If you do this, then this happens. I'll meet whatever bar or expectation you set. Just tell me where it is. Just tell me what it is, and I'll do it. And it's so easy because he said, if you love me, if, then I keep his word. That's easy. I'll just read it and do what it says. You see, this is the problem in North America. We think you have to have a doctorate of divinity to take up an offering. It's ludicrous. You know why they have revival that's just astronomical overseas? It's not because then people love God anymore. I really don't believe it's because they want God anymore. They don't even know about God. What I believe it is, is they have made it easy to be involved in the kingdom. They've made it easy. Just go do something. And you're going to mess up. But I'd rather you mess up doing something than mess up doing nothing. Because you better cotton, chop, and believe. If you mess up doing something for God, it's so much easier to get back where you need to be than if you're sitting here with old sour face sucking on grapes. Well, if God would just bless me, maybe I'd get up and do something. If God would just hear my... No, you need to get up and do something. There's a method to the what God told you to do. You don't have to make it up. Just do what he said to do. Deuteronomy 5 and 33, you shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God hath commanded you, that ye may live, and it may be well with you. Why? I like that. That's a promise. It makes it easy. That it may be well with you, and that ye may prolong your days in the land which ye shall possess. My God, you people ought to possess this land. There's more people in this church than in this town. Right? I ain't making fun. I grew up in a town just like this. I think it's awesome. I'm thrilled to slam to death. That feels like being at home. You possess the land. You, I, I, I sit in a restaurant. It looked like sitting next to a politician. Everybody in, that, in there coming, shaking his hand, talking to him. How you doing? You know what that is? That's possession. That's apostolic authority. They may not go to church here yet, but they understand that when it goes downhill, I'm going to find the man of God. And I'm going to get a hold of it and say, man of God, I know I don't always, you know what that is? That's a method that says go into all the world. I don't have to go to the other side of the world. I've got to go to the restaurant and have a smile on my face. I've got to go in and treat people with a little respect and a little love. And you know what? I build a relationship. And they say, I don't know why, but when they come in this place, I just just feel something. That's what it means to go. Don't make it hard. Don't overanalyze it. Don't think about it too long. Just go do it. And watch God show up. You will possess the land. 
James 1.22. But be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving. And I, this is not deep. I'm sorry I, if you was expecting deep preaching. It's going to happen Sunday when Brother Voskins comes back to preach to you. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. I don't like being deceived. But I feel like a real idiot when I deceive myself. Let me say that I feel like a real idiot when I don't feel like myself, when I deceive myself. Why? Because it was avoidable. It's avoidable. You want to avoid being deceived? Satan is trying to deceive you at every turn. Don't help him. Don't give him no ammo. Just do what the Word says. Because when you don't obey, you deceive yourself. But when you do what the Word says, you will see the truth. The truth is God has called you to do something. It ain't your pastor's responsibility. It ain't Bishop Will. It's your responsibility to reach a lost and a dying world. They need your voice. Your school needs you, young person. Your school needs you to show up and look like a man or look like a young lady. Your school needs you in the midst of people being confused about gender to say, God created me in the form, in the image of godliness. Young lady, your job needs you to show up and say, I love my husband in the good times and the bad. Divorce is not an option. I'm not talking about it. I don't care where you need to go into all the world. Just fulfill it. It's not hard. See, we got to move beyond being just mission-minded. We must find a mission method. Can I be real honest with you? I'm afraid that what has happened in North America in church is that we start out innocently as mission-minded, but before long we just become high-minded. It starts out right, with the right attitude and the right spirit and the right desire to see God work. Before long it's just high-minded. We get so busy planning, scheming, philosophizing, we don't really have time to implement the method. We don't have time. We're plotting and planning, got charts and books. And, and listen, I love making a plan more than anybody. It drives people in our church nuts. You want us to have another planning meeting? Because we're going somewhere. You don't plan for somewhere you ain't going. And if you just show up, you probably ain't going to like where you wind up. So I'm not against planning. I'm against finding an excuse not to do what Jesus said. I'm, ex I'm against not going into all the world. We get so busy or we get this attitude, if I can't be a foreign missionary in a foreign land, well, I don't think there's really anything for me to do then. We've got it backwards. If you won't teach a Bible study to the kids in your school or the people on your job, you'll never make it in Kenya. You won't make it. Don't you come tell me, God sent me to the far side of the moon to preach to... Little Martian men. And I can't get you to teach a Bible study at your house. You ain't going to do it. You've got everything in the kingdom of God right in your local church. To empower you. To promote you. To develop you. And to deploy you. And if you won't utilize it here, you won't utilize it there. You won't do it. I just, I just tell you. I sit on the Missions America board and I told them, I said, I tell you. If they can't give me a list of Bible studies or they can't show me their search for truth chart, I wouldn't let them on the program. 
Well, that's kind of hard. Yeah, it is. But you know what? It works. It works. You know why there's a church in Cleveland? I don't have a road to Damascus experience. God didn't smack me in the dirt and say, you need to go to Cleveland. God didn't tell me, hey, man, you, I got to work for you. Dude. I didn't have no vision late at night. I, I don't have some great story I can tell you. You know why there's a church in Cleveland? Because my pastor called me in the office one day and said, hey, I want you to pray about starting a church in Cleveland. He said, every time you come to church, you bring somebody else with you. He said, we've lost count how many people have been baptized from your city. You know why? Because we started teaching Bible studies. And we just kept teaching them, and just kept teaching them, just kept teaching them, just kept teaching them, just kept teaching them. And we had so many people that we couldn't get them all there. That's why there's a, that's why there's a church in that city. I didn't want to start a church. I wanted to go to church in Maryville. Dear God, have you been there? I mean, it's hopping every night. Can't be there. It's just like this church. It's phenomenal. But there was a need. Quit expecting God to come tap you on the shoulder and give you some deep mystical call when you won't heed the call of the lost person you work next to. If you won't hear the call of the person in Walmart, don't expect God to give you more responsibility because to whom much is given, much is required. You've got to go where you are. You don't get to pick the field. You just got to go to work and say, Lord, I trust you. In spite of the situation, in spite of the circumstances, I'll do what you say. You don't learn to witness to the people you live across the street from. You'll never impact the people on the other side of the world. It won't happen. Why? Because it's not the method that Jesus gave us. You see, Acts 1 and 8 is another account. It's not nearly as popular in the denominal world, but it is just as true. It is a part of the Great Commission. It's just another account. It says, but you shall receive power. There's a method, a plan, a logical plan to be followed. That's what a method is. There is a method. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Okay, now, we're going to separate the sheep from the goats. Be careful if you raise your hand. How many received the gift of the Holy Ghost? It's time to report for duty. Because if you receive the Holy Ghost, then you should, not you might, not you may, not there's a chance, not it's a good, not it's a good idea, you shall, you must be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Well, I don't live in Jerusalem. No kidding. You live in a city. That means you're responsible to your city and to your state and to your nation and then to the world. We've got it all backwards and think, I've got to go to the other side of the planet to reach a lost soul. But there's somebody walks past you on the street that doesn't know the power of the Holy Ghost. There's a drug addict in your town. There's an alcoholic that's dying and headed for hell. There's got to be a method that says, I'll reach down and I'll pull them up. It may not be where I want to be, but it's where I need to be. Dear God, help us to have a burden for lost souls. Make me have a method that backs up the mission mind that I've got it starts at home don't get me wrong don't get me wrong it's not I'm not against foreign missions I'm fat our church supports foreign missions dollar for dollar with home missions dollar for dollar I believe it but the light that shines the furthest you know where it shines the brightest at home, it shines the brightest at home. 
any far-reaching light. Its brightest point is not at the end of the light. It's where it starts. Dear God, help us to be beacons and lighthouses that burn in this city or whatever city you live in that say, God, I'll reach as far as I can. But right here at home, Lord, let me do what you've called me to do. Let there be something that burns inside of me that says, not my will, but thine be done. Not my kingdom, but your kingdom and the glory and the power and the honor forever. Mark 8 and 36, what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The AFV, the Alex Fallon version says, what good does it do to win the world and lose your own nation? See, I, I just, just got to be honest with you. I just got to be honest with you. Because I feel like in this last day, in this last hour, we're not doing a real good job. Amen. If you don't believe me, turn on your favorite news channel. I don't care which one it is. They, the truth ain't in none of them, so you just pick any one you like. Just turn it on, and you tell me we're doing a good job. You tell me the church in North America is doing a good job. We're asleep at the wheel. And I will just go ahead and throw a little gas on that fire. You may not like it, but the apostolic church is the only one I feel I can hold accountable because they don't have the truth. I can't hold them responsible because they don't live the truth. They don't do the first part, so they can't be responsible for the last part. So, dear God, it's got to be us that says, I'll go. I'll do what he says. I'll reach for a lost soul. I'll reach. I don't care if it's Joe Biden, Donald Trump, or any other one. Dear God. God, I pray there's a day when 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue finds somewhere to build them a prayer room that say, God, lead our nation. God, help us to find a way out. God, help. We're in a mess, and I need you. We don't need another council or committee. We need a prayer closet in the White House that says, God, I need you. But that'll never happen unless the church of the living God says, I'm going to show up, and I'm going to do my part. I'm ready to go to work. I'm going to do my part. met with Brother Sam Spear. He came and preached to us. He began to tell me about the influence that they have in that nation. If he can be friends with the leaders of that nation, why can't we have apostolic men that have influence in the leaders of this nation? Do we not believe God can do that? Do we, but I really believe God won't open those doors until we fulfill the doors that are already open. Had a young man come to me the other day. He said, I want to know the will of God for my life. I said, you'll never know the will of God for your life until you quit being intimidated and jealous of the call in somebody else's life. We all want to preach camp meeting. That's how, that's how you make your bones. You preach camp meeting. Right? All you young preachers, you all want to preach at your own conference. But let me tell you something. You know what will qualify your life? It's not that you have the best sermon. It's, dear God, you've got a long laundry list of lost souls that you've won. You know why this man sits up here? Because he's got a laundry list of souls that he's won. You know why Brother Carpenter is the superintendent? Because, dear God, his, his search for truth chart is in tatters from teaching people Bible study. after. Why? What is that? That's going to the people in his city. That's going to my... You 
don't have to like where you go. You just got to go. And you got to start where you are. Our world needs Jesus, no doubt. But as long as there are people in your neighborhood that don't know him, there's work for you to do right here. And I'm not, dear God, I'm not against anybody leaving. Just a few weeks ago, y'all had a man, right, go, just a month ago, a man go to Lebanon, right? Yeah. I'm not against, praise God for that. I don't know the man. But I just don't believe that he came to Brother Vasquez one day and said, you know, I think I'll go to Lebanon. And it never taught a Bible study. Correct me. Correct me. I don't believe he just said, but you know what? I feel like that would be a good place to go. I'll just pack up and move around the other side of the world. I've never tried this soul winning thing, but I think I'll try it over there. I'm not against that. But what we need is every church in this city, every church in this state, every church in North America, to have every person stand up and say, I'll go, just send me. Just tell me what I can do, Lord. And God has sent me by this night to tell you, don't you wander around in the weeds about what it is. Just find you somebody and say, sir, can I take you to church? Ma'am, can I take you to church with me? Can I teach you a Bible study? Can I feed you a meal? Can I, do, can I find a way to serve you? Jesus was meek and lowly, came as a servant. That didn't mean he lorded his responsibility over them. He came and said, can I serve you? Can I wash your feet? What can I do for you? It doesn't look like me. Ministry is not always in the pulpit. Most of it happens somewhere in a prayer room that says, God, open the door for me today that I can speak into somebody else's life. God, anoint my mind when I go to a gas station that I look look them in the eye and say, Sir, God loves you and he wants good for you. Ma'am, God wants the best for you. You don't have to live in that lifestyle. You You gotta have a burden for souls within you that goes beyond the mind. More than mission-minded. Not just mission-minded, be a mission method. The need is the call. If you know a lost person, that's the call. That's the call. I think God tries us and proves us. God help us to have a lost burden, a burden for lost souls, no matter where they are. I just be, I just be real. I, I told you the good, I tell you the bad. Brother Spear, he, he's in Norway. And man, he wants me to go to Norway, sign me up. I'm ready to go. Beautiful. Uganda? Mm, probably not. That seems like a good place to send somebody else, Lord. God help us. God help us that wherever they need us. Dear God, if you need people to preach in that Uganda, Sign me up and send me. If you need people in my city, sign me up and send me. God, wherever you need me, I'll go. But it starts with somebody being willing to say, God, I'm here. I'm going to go to work right where I am. I'm going to use the method that you've given me. The Amish, the Amish, they don't fly. In fact, they don't take long trips of any kind. They don't travel by car. My whole life I heard it was because they don't like modern technology. And while there is some truth to that, the reason they don't take long trips is because they never want to forget the community that God called them to. 
They never want to forget where God led them to. See, they believe if they were born in that town, that's the town God called them to reach. And they don't care nothing about going to the other side of the world. Now, we can't go to that extreme either. But dear God, help us that we're known around the world, but not across the street. God, help us that there's churches in Germany that know First Apostolic Church of Cleveland. But there's churches in Cleveland that don't know First Apostolic Church of Cleveland. God, help us that men and women on the other side of the world, we've made an impact and an influence in. And people in our town don't even know who we are. I'm not trying to pastor you people. Stop me anytime. But I feel like we ought to be the most friendly people in this city. I feel like we ought to be the most friendly people in this city. And don't think for a minute I don't have bad days. That I ain't flesh and blood. But dear God, I have threatened my church. Don't you ever let me hear a restaurant that don't want this church to come there. You want to see the man of God lose his mind? You let a manager come find me and complain about their behavior. It hadn't happened yet. That's why I still am in these clothes and not an orange jumpsuit, probably. Because I believe we got no business being rude. And that ain't always easy. If you think I got it all licked, you're wrong. Go to Opryland Hotel and they want to check my key card. Did you see what I paid to get in here? Check my key card. The Holy Ghost better get a hold of me before I get a hold of them. And my wife said, honey, don't be like that. You know you can't be like that. Yes, I hate even more that you're right. Why? Because there's a chance that of all the thousands of people that come through NYC, that maybe my car is the only one that stops and says, I hope you have a good day. I hope you have a blessed day. Dear God, let there be something in us that says, wherever I go, I want to find a lost soul. Wherever I am, I want to reach for lost. Just go to the whole world and let God work. There has to be a manifestation of our mindset. It's our method. Synonyms for a method or a procedure, a technique, a system, a practice, a routine. Modus operandi, a method of working, formula, process, means of mechanism, approach, course of action, strategy, tactic, plan, orderliness of thought or behavior, systematic planning, action, and rule. All synonyms. Method's a pretty big word. If you'll allow your mindset to become your method, it'll affect every area of your life. You see, the thing about us in our day and age have learned how to compartmentalize and so a mindset ain't enough because we can have a mindset on Sunday and a different mindset on Monday. We can have a mon- mindset at small group on Wednesday and a different mindset on Thursday. You see, we, we know how to turn it on and turn it off. We, we've gotten real good at playing mind games. And I can have this mindset when it's convenient and that mindset when it's not. But if it ever becomes a method, I'm like a zebra that can't change his stripes. 
It's just who I am. I am what I am. And I can't turn it off. I can't help it. I just can't help it. And I'm, I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you. I've lived it. That's the only reason I believe it is because I really did it. And sometimes that's the way it works. You just got to go try it to see if it really works. You can be the man of God all day long, but until you do it, you ain't going to believe me. That's okay. Just try it. Sister Erickson wrote a song, See My City. I don't know if you've heard it. She wrote that song for the dedication of our building. And I wept when she told me the story. She said, I, I used to sit in the prayer room and listen to you pray. She said, you would pray, I bind every distraction. I bind every false spirit. She recounted to me words that I knew that I had prayed that I didn't know that anybody was listening to. And she said, I, I wrote this song because it is a summation of who you and your family, who you really are. You know what? That's great. But if the people in Cleveland don't think like that, it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. I took a job that I, I really didn't want to change jobs, but God opened the door and I felt like I had to. And so now, once a week, I walk into the mayor's office of our town. You know what he calls me? Pastor. What are you doing, Pastor? How are you? How was your week? What would you preach on? Every week I have a meeting with him. You know where his office is? It's in the Church of God headquarters. It's in their headquarters building. And I walk into his office. And I tell him about what I preached about. And I tell him about what's going on in his life. Then I ask him about what's going on in his life. What are you telling me? I'm telling you there's a method. That you've got to understand something. Your job is more than just a job. It's a mission field. Your school is more than just a school. It's a mission field. I could choose to let it be business as usual. Mayor, I don't really even want to be here today. Or I could have an attitude that says, God, I'm getting out to the seat of a building that preaches false truth. But I believe you're going to open some doors. And I walk in that threshold. And I say, here, O Israel, the Lord, our God is one. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. The Father of you all, in you all, through you all. And about the time I hit the threshold of his office, he's standing up to say, Pastor, how are you doing this week? You know what that is? That's a method that says, God, I'll go wherever you send me. I don't know what it'll be. I don't know what it'll look like. But I'll go if you'll just send me. If you'll be a steward of the little things, God will open the big doors. If you'll be a steward, my God, he Oh, can we lift up our hands all across this place? God baptized me with an understanding that it's more than a mindset. It's more than just a thought. It's more than just the way I feel. God, it's got to be every day. It's got to come out of my life. Every part of my life. Everywhere we go, we must be looking for lost souls. You know why? Because revival is coming. And you can either be a part of it or you can hear about it. It's up to you. 
How many people do you think kick themselves for not buying in as Azusa Street? How many people you think sat back and said, well, them people pray way too much. You know they let black people in their church? You know white people go down there with them black people to church? How many people know? How many people miss the call of God because they couldn't get out of their own mind? Saw a man today, and I, I, I just ain't in my notes, it's just free again. Brother, you, you sit me down anytime you get ready. Man said, I've only seen seven black people at this conference. He said, I don't think that's right. I said, you're dead burn right it ain't right. Because I don't know if it's us. I don't think it is. But dear God, I hope it ain't. Dear God, I don't care red, yellow, brown, black, or white. I don't care. I've got to have a method that says you may look different than me. You may talk different than me. You may have a different background. Dear God, if there's a spirit of racism in us, crucify it. I can't go to heaven and be a racist. There's got to be something that says, I love you no matter what you are. I don't care about how much money you make. I don't care about your education. I need you to love God. I need you to live for God because it can't multiply without you. Go into all the world. You see, I'm working. I'm getting there. I promise you. What does it look like to be method? Mission method. What does it look like? It ain't always pretty. Ask my wife. We went to eat this week in a diner in Nashville with one of the families in our church. These two couples come in and they are hammered drunk. I mean, I'm talking about falling over. And they're acting a fool and I can't help but laugh at people acting a fool. I'm laughing at them. And I don't remember how the conversation came, but they came out and they came to our table and they started talking to us. And they, I mean, they people can't even stand up. They fall on all over, leaning all over me, and my wife is thinking, I know she's intoxicated, but if she rubs him one more time. <laughs> you think that's what I like? No. We just kept talking to him. Where are you from? Well, we're from Washington State. Well, why in the name of the Lord are you here? Oh, we moved down here. Why? Because we're not interested in being like Washington State. I'll just be real honest with you. We got some things in Tennessee we kind of like to keep that way. So why are you moving here? We can't stand the way things are there. Okay, that's check one. We'll talk to them a little bit more. Yeah, well, what, what are you doing here? Oh, we got, a, we got jobs here. This other couple, they're trying to move here. And we don't, we're looking for jobs. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Talk to them a little bit more. And they, and they are drunk. Don't, don't be confused. I'm not trying to. Glorified that this is what happened. Got to talking to them a little bit longer. They said, man, we really enjoy talking to y'all. I think when you're drunk, you enjoy talking to everybody. But I just walk out on a limb. I said, well, that'd be, I said, do you go to church anywhere? No, we've never really gone to church. Well, that'd be great. You, but you live here in Nashville? Oh, yeah, we, we, and we're trying to get our friends to move here. Yeah, well, you need to let me know when you move to Nashville. I, I'd like to come talk to you. Are you on Facebook? I said, yeah, a matter of fact, I am. They couldn't type my name. When? Let me, let me see that. FAC Cleveland, like, alert. I hooked them on up. I promise you. 
Now, they may have sobered up this morning and figured out what happened and thought at 2 o'clock, why in the name of the Lord God is there an alert for First Apostolic Church of Cleveland? But I just believe that it'll keep showing up in their thread every time we start service. And maybe there'll be something that comes out of that conversation and they'll say, you know what? I don't remember the conversation, but this man talked to me and he loved me and he thought I was worth talking to when I couldn't even stand up, when I couldn't even speak his name. I'm telling you, there's something about a method that'll make you do things that don't make any sense. It'll make you, it's not rational, but dear God, help me to have a method to my mission. We left that restaurant and one of the sisters that was with us, she said, what do you think about them? I have no idea what to think about them. But Brother Batson, I'm working for four more souls. What, 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 what do you mean, Brother Batson? He and your church don't matter. Because it ain't my kingdom, Brother. When you go to Nashville for AYC or NYC, you ought to invite a waiter to the church. It don't matter they don't live here in Potts County. You go to Indianapolis for a general conference, you shouldn't just go in there and think, well, I just got to get in here and get out. You know what that is? That's a mission field. And I'm telling you, this is GMC's coming to my city next year. Just go ahead and deputize you all. You find every man, woman, boy, and girl. I'll give you church cards, and you invite them to our church. Send them our way. What? Why? Because it ain't my kingdom. It ain't about my business. It ain't about building my kingdom. Dear God, wherever I go, everywhere my footsteps, I'm going to be about the mission. There's got to be a method to what we're doing. And it's got to be for lost souls. Musicians come. I, I'm going to preach all night. I, I preached quick today. I get roll over minutes. That's okay. It's a joke. to be mission minded but there's got to be a method it's great to have a plan but the love for humanity has got to translate to work it's called the work of God because work is the only thing that produces results philosophy doesn't produce results theories and plans don't produce results work does you got to show up to work. See, Brother Vasquez, I, I, I really think that part of our problem might be we've become too polished. We're too put together. Man, we got our ties just right and all them fancy little knots. My fingers hurt. Men wearing $1,000 suits. Our women can outshine unholy wood any day of the week. Man, we look like a million bucks. We know, let, let, this is a true story. They know what tempo to play. And I'm not saying they do this here, but there are churches that know what tempo to play to get you to move in a certain vein. They know what color light to use to invoke certain emotions. We have become masters of manipulation. We know every time to raise our hands. We know when to dance. We know when to clap. We don't have to have MCs anymore because the people are just so programmed at what to do. We have produced a generation of Levites. 
that know how to get the glory of God to fall, but have no relationship with the God of the glory. Man, the Levites, they knew when to get the glory to burn bright. They knew when to bring it down. They knew what piece went where. They knew all the rules. But there was no relationship. And they stayed in trouble because of it. We, we, we look the part, man. We, we look good. We, we shout in rhythm. Man, we look good. We're so put together that we've become mummified. Pretty Pentecostals that are mummified in tune with all that we've amassed. Look at what we have built. Look at what we've done, at what we've accomplished. In case you didn't know, the only thing you mummify are dead things. You know what your, fly, your flesh likes about mission trip to foreign lands that are temporary? Your flesh likes it because they don't know you. They'll never see you again. You're afraid to offer that person that you work with a Bible study because they know who you are. They know the real you. And sometimes we're afraid to step out and really go because they really know who we are. They don't know us in Thailand. They'll never see us again. I'll go for two weeks. But that guy in my school, he knows my temper. He knows my attitude. He knows what I do when nobody's looking. That girl I was going to teach a Bible study to, she knows who I am. She, she monitors everything I post. My parents have no idea, but, but that girl, and I can't teach her a Bible study because she knows who I really am. We've mummified ourselves and preserved the image of ourselves, and we're dead inside because we're not productive. God help us to develop a method of our own. We're so put together that we're afraid to get a little dirt on our hands. But the treasure's in the field, not the museum. If you're going to work in the field, you're going to get dirty. That's why we can't be so concerned with being so, so put together and everything just so-so. I submit it's time to roll up our sleeves and get to work. Jesus is coming back and he needs laborers of the field. Could we stand? Matthew 9 and 37 And then saith he unto his disciples the harvest truly is plenteous but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. It is impossible to work in the field and it not affect you. You find anybody that works in a field, that labors in a field, they look like it. Their clothes are dirty. Their sleeves are rolled up, sweaty. And if they come in around you, they smell like the field. Genesis 27 and 27, and he came near and kissed him and he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as of the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. I know the context of that story, but I want to have a scent on me that's of a field that God has blessed.
I want to have a scent on me that when I go around people, I don't smell like pride. I don't smell like envy. I don't smell like strife. I smell like somebody who's been digging in the field. I've been laboring in the field. Yeah, I know I look a mess. I know I've got dirt all over me. I, I, I know that I'm maybe not what you think I ought to look like. But you don't know the prize that I found in the field. I know you can smell it on me. But you don't know the value of what I found in the field. You don't know about the lost souls that I've seen saved. You don't know about the family members God has brought back. You don't know about the, cry, the tears that I cried saying, God, I'll do anything. Just use me wherever I am. You don't know the value I've placed on my field because you didn't buy my field. I bought my field. But you got to buy a field. You've got to move me on a mindset and say, God, I'll go to work. I'll find a method. I'll teach Bible studies. I'll promote the kingdom of God. I'll work in the church. It may be nothing more than running a lawnmower, but it's a mission field. It may be nothing more than working in the nursery so that the parents can be in the church. You need to be in the mission field. You don't know where to start. You need to find your pastor and say, Pastor, where do you need people? Where do you need bodies? Where do you need laborers? I'm going to go to work. Don't walk away and say, I'll let somebody else do that job because I don't like it. Say, God, just use me. I'm not a Sunday school teacher. I'm not any good at little kids. But I'll never forget the day I was sitting in Maryville. And Nolan came and got me and said, hey, there's nobody in the little kid class. And I said, that's a very big oversight on somebody's part. He said, you don't understand. Sister Carpenter said for you to go teach it. Yes, ma'am. I'll go teach the little kids class. I didn't want to be an usher. I can't sit in the back of the church. My God, I can't pay attention to the front row. Brother Erickson walking through the church one day said, we don't have any ushers. You don't know no ushers. There's 600 people go to church here. I don't have any ushers. I need you to go to work. Yes, sir, I'll go to work. Oh, wow. God is preparing a field in Cleveland. He's got a treasure in it I don't see yet. But he's doing something in me to prepare me to go down and say, hey, this is what the Sunday school department is going to look like. Hey, this is how the Sunday school department is going to work. Hey, this is how the ushers are going to act. This is what the ushers are going to do. Why? Because I said, I don't understand, but I'll be where I am. I don't understand why you're asking me to do that. That's not my gifting. That's not my ability. That's not my... But there's a value to the field. Colossians 3 and 17, whatever you do in word or in deed, do it heartily as unto the Lord. The operative word is not think, not meditate, not hesitate. Whatever you do, not what you daydream about, not what you plot and plan and scheme, what you do. 
I'm closing. I'm sorry. I just. You think about the story of Elisha. Maybe Elisha had been promised and prophesied over from the time of a small boy that he'd be involved in the work of God. I don't know. It was very possible that Elisha had been told by his mom and daddy, you're going to do great things and God's going to use you. But Elisha didn't sit by the phone waiting for a camp meeting phone call. He said, there's a field that needs plowing. And he got his oxen, he yoked his oxen up, and he got his plow like he'd done every day before that. Maybe he hated plowing, I don't know. But as he walked behind those oxen, plowing a field that he probably didn't own, was probably his father's plowing a field the man of God walked by and said come on you don't know what will fi- you will find or who will find you in the field it ain't just what you'll find it's who will find you you don't know what your wife or husband to be won't come walking through the field you're plowing you don't know that the children you're praying for won't be found in the field. You don't know that that lost loved one or that lost family member or lost backslider you used to have a relationship with won't come walking by the field that you're plowing. Dear God, I've got to have a method. It can't just be a mind thing. It's got to be a method thing. Matthew 22 and 14, for many are called, but few are chosen. Makes no sense. Why would God call many and choose only a few? Because between the calling and the choosing is the process. I've got to be willing to go through the process. It's not always glorious. It ain't always where I'm going to end up. But it's where I am right now. You need to understand something that what God is calling you to do tonight isn't the definition of who you are. You may have had greater things prophesied over you, but you need to go to work right where you are. Your pastor needs to know he can count on you. Your pastor needs to know you're the first one to show up. You're the first one to be at prayer. You're the first one to teach a Bible study. You're the first one to greet a vest. Why? Because it's the method that we fulfill the Great Commission. Could we lift up our hands and our hearts all across this place? I believe the Holy Ghost is ordained and orchestrated this service. He built our faith this morning through helping us to understand that God really loves you enough to use you. God really loves you enough to call you. God really loves you enough to work through you. And now comes the next part because it's not just about believing God will do it in me. It's about going to work and doing what God wants to do in me. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you're fighting against. I don't know what you're delaying. I don't know what you're putting off. But I feel so strongly that the Holy Ghost is compelling you to do something, to to step out by faith. Maybe you need a miracle. Maybe you need the Holy Ghost. It's your night. You need to walk to this altar with a confidence that God's going to do what He said He'll do because you're going to do your part. How many will say, here I am, Lord. Send me. 
How many would say tonight, God, I'll go. If nobody else will, I'll go to my school. I'll go to my job. I'll go wherever you need me, God. I'll walk in the bank tomorrow with an attitude of a soul winner. I'll walk in the gas station with a heart that's looking for a lost soul. How many will say, Lord, I rededicate my life. Lord, I repurpose my life to you. Oh, would you come? Would you come and talk to him right now? Lord, I reconsecrate my mind.
that God would encourage them, that God would provide for them, that God would send laborers, that God would anoint them, that God would meet the needs of their church family, of their personal family. Can you help me pray? Can you help me pray for the Fallon family and First Apostolic Church of Cleveland, Tennessee? God, I pray that you anoint this man of God and his family to be the light to that city. God, I pray that you speak your word into his spirit. I pray, God, that you encourage him when he's low and when he's down and when they're discouraged. God, when troubles come up in the church and they don't know what to do, I pray you give them wisdom and direction and guidance. I pray, God, raise up laborers for your harvest in Cleveland, Tennessee. God, raise up men and women and young people that will catch this man's burden and will work for you, God. Raise up prayer warriors that will bombard heaven for revival in Cleveland. God, raise up prayer warriors that will stand against the forces of darkness that want to send that city to hell. God, I pray, Lord, that you would give them an anointing from heaven, oh God, to do your work. Bless these boys. Protect them and guide them and keep them, oh God. Help them to be raised, to be workers in your vineyard, God. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray you provide for every spiritual need, every emotional need, every physical need, every financial need. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, God, that you would anoint your work for the kingdom's sake. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise for hearing us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Back a few weeks ago, and we're closing in within two minutes. Back a, a few months ago, I was with our, our Missions America director, and I told our Missions America director, I said, we raise money for the world, and if you all know me, you know I love world missions. I don't, you know that what I'm getting ready to say doesn't have to be qualified. I said, but our world missions program is not sustainable. We cannot keep sending missionaries if we don't start churches right here to help fund and help support. And so I came up with an idea that we need to find a way to help our home missionaries visit our churches so that when you think about the work of God, you know who we're giving to. You've, you've, you've met them and know them. And so Brother Fallon is the very first one. And our church is the very first one for, very, for the pilot program. Amen. I told Brother Traxel, I said, if I can come up with an idea, I ought to be man enough to make it happen. So we made it happen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Fallon, for being with us. God bless you. Thank you for sharing with us. Amen. You can be dismissed. You're welcome to fellowship with this good family. Amen. I hope that you get the chance to meet Eli and Samuel Dean Fallon.